0: Bibles uh, this morning, please turn with me to John chapter 5, uh, verse 16 to 30. Think our PowerPoint, okay, praise God, it's still working. Uh, it's, so it's up on the screen, uh, but if you want to open up your bi- own Bibles as well, uh, we have physical ones, if you know, <laughs> we still look at those uh, in front of our pews. Uh, if you're new to opening the Bible, I believe it's page 864. You're like, Doug, you memorized it? No, no, I looked it up uh, just before this. So John chapter 5. Uh, verse 16 to 30, and that's where we're going to hang out here uh, this morning for a little bit. John 5, 16. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, which was healing, uh, the uh, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them, to, uh, gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so, the son gives life to, though, to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the father does not honor, uh, honor the son, does not honor the Father who sent him. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming, and has now come, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. He has given him authority to judge, because he is the Son of Man. Verse 28, do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning... As we come before your word, as we feel and experience the weight of your word, may you open our hearts to hear you and our eyes to see you and our ears to hear you and our minds to comprehend you. Father, we thank you for the goodness of who you are, that we encounter a holy God, a just God, but also a God that loves us so very much. So thank you for everyone that's here. I pray, Lord, uh, that we would be uh, tune our hearts uh, to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we're continuing on our series called Living Life As, it's been a few months now, and we're extending it through until September, and today is on the topic of work and faith. Uh, our theology of work, our understanding of work, what is the purpose of work and why God has called us to work. And you're like, wow, it's Labor Day long weekend, and that's exactly why <laughs> we're talking on this topic of labor and work and how God has ordained it, what's the purpose of it. As I was thinking of this topic at work, I, I was reminded of the jobs that I've carried. Not those. Uh, go back one more <laughs> in the past. What kind of jobs have you worked? Maybe as I ask you that question, what are some jobs that you've had? Part-time jobs, paid jobs, volunteer jobs. And my first ever paid job was a baseball camp. I grew up playing baseball, so I taught a camp, and I remember it was in cash Uh, as a teen. I'm like, wow, I led a whole week's worth of camp, and here's $50 cash. And I was so happy as the person paid me and our team as I went out from that camp. I'm like, wow, my first $50, what am I going to spend it on? I don't remember. Uh, Probably nothing productive. Uh, But I remember just being so joyful. And then my first part-time job, I worked at McDonald's. Uh, McDonald's was down on Marine Drive just before the bridge you go onto the airport. That little tiny McDonald's was my first part-time job. I don't know how you, how you trust a 16, 17-year-old uh, to make food in that sense, uh, but they did. Uh, and I learned a lot like when people yell at me uh, and customer service, like a time when a guy was on, I was on the drive-thru and the person was trying to order, what I heard was french fries. And he pulled up to the drive-thru and was like, hey, do you have french fries? I'm like, yeah, we're McDonald's. (laughs) Of course we have French fries. He's like, no, French fries. I'm like, yes, we have French fries. And he was yelling so loud at this point, I didn't need the headphone. I could hear him through my window. And he was like, no, I want fresh pies. I'm like, oh, yeah, we can make you some fresh pies. Three minutes and 30 seconds uh, in our oven. Uh, That was my first job. And I, I wanted to take credit for making the first McDonald's. I don't know if that's me that I actually created it or not, uh, if you don't know, sometimes uh, there's some straggler buns uh, in, the, in the bags that come, and I would take the middle part of the, Mc, uh, of the Big Mac, the middle bun, and I'll take it, uh, put it through a steamer from the, from the fish filet, be nice and soft, i put some syrup in there, and i fold it up like a one ton, and then I'll throw it in the fryer. Uh, this was during my late night shifts, and I'm confessing to you all now. Uh, this is what I did, uh, anything but working. Uh, that was my first part-time job. Uh, and then uh, later on, I worked for an engineering firm, testing pillars uh, my fr- with my friend Gabe, who's part of our congregation here for summer jobs. We had a lot of fun trusting 18-year-olds in a construction site. Uh, that was another interesting uh, moment. But what are some jobs that everyone else wants? What was your first job? What were uh, some opportunities that you had? And I just looked it up here uh, on the site called For Immigration, which is a a popular immigration.ca, which is a popular site that people come into Canada. What are some top jobs that they have? Uh, And the jobs, if you go to the next slide here is, these are some of the jobs that come up. I'm surprised that pastor isn't one of them. Uh, (laughs) the top 10 jobs that people want. But yeah, software developers, financial controllers, uh, plant managers, computer applications managers, marketing director, sales manager, cloud architect, electrical engineer, construction project manager, family physician. If those are some of the roles and jobs that you have, you're in high demand, and what Canada is really looking for uh, at the moment, apparently. And here's the thing, nothing against these jobs at all. We need them. We need all jobs, actually. Nothing against these jobs specifically, but when I look at this list of jobs, of what people want to do, uh, and what are things that you don't notice that's on this list here? What are things that you don't notice? I I don't notice anything that talks about, uh, for example, housekeeping as a top 10 job, or working at McDonald's, uh, as a top 10 job. I don't think about construction work. I don't see it on a list like this or any list that I saw uh, on the internet. So that really begs the question here is, well, what is our understanding of what is good work? What are jobs that we desire? How do we define what is good? What, what are, how do we define what are jobs that we want or what we don't want? You see, for some, the definition of good work is just high paying, Uh, things that are good, respectable in society, and those are things that we should seek for. That's the definition of a good job. But I think as we look into Scripture, I think there's a little bit more than that because that doesn't exactly give us the purpose of why God has ordained and given us the work that we have, why maybe some of us aren't called to be admin assistants or cooks or dishwashers or hostesses or housekeepers or cashiers, how those jobs as well could be just as holy as any other. But why is it that we are challenged to think that way? You see, I've had various jobs and I've listed it before. I've learned how to weld, I've learned how to make rivets, build wooden shelves, drive a forklift and a bobcat. I've learned customer service, taking orders from the drive-through, operating industrial oven and grills, i fended off drunk people at the BC Lions game. Between the third and the fourth quarter as I'm selling popcorn, they're like, I need more food. I'm like, we're closing and then my manager is using an umbrella, you know, to poke them out. True story. And I've done all those kind of jobs, but I've also preached sermons. I've traveled overseas for missions. I've attended committee and deacon board meetings, listened to those that mourn and grieve with those that are grieving during counseling sessions. I've written reports, and I've written references for people for their applications for jobs and schools. I've served on boards like Pentasport, CIM, and WinterCon. I'm not boasting, but here's my point. I've also learned I've also worked by mowing the lawn. I've worked by washing the car, packing and moving, helping others pack and move, doing laundry, doing dishes, cleaning the house, changing diapers, taking care of the kids, wiping vomit out of our car recently on our road trip, all part of my work. And as Dr. Paul Stevens, who teaches and has written on this extensively at Regent College, he wrote a book called Work Matters, which I've read and taken uh, much of uh, his resources into this sermon here today, and I recommend it to you here. He asked a very similar question. Is some of this holy work, which will last into eternity, and is other work just fluff? What is good work? What is the point of this work? Who benefits Does work have both intrinsic and extrinsic value? What does work mean? Whose work matters to God? And my hope here this morning is this, is to instill in you a deep sense of purpose in your job. In your work, whatever it is that God has called you to. A deep sense of purpose, a deep sense of wonder, whether you pick up a pen or a brush, whether you spend your eight hours outdoors in the sun, or you spend your, spend your time behind a desk, uh, you, whether you spend your time working with people, uh, or you spend yourself uh, roaming alone as part of your work. I want to instill this sense of purpose and wonder, this kind of holiness in what God has called us to do. As a Christian writer, Uh, William Ward once wrote, the pessimist complains about the wind, the optimist expects it to change, but the realist adjusts the sails. And maybe, just maybe, as we look into scripture this morning, that God would adjust our sails of our understanding of what work is a little bit, that maybe we'll feel a little bit less burnt out from the work that we have, that we would that God will cultivate this joy inside of us in the daily work that he has called us to. And I'm praying for many of us that God will adjust our sails. And I'm praying that this will be refreshing to your soul. Because whether it's taking care of kids or taking care of a project, it can all be beautiful. And it's all meant to be beautiful because it's all meant to reflect the glory of our God. Whether you're paid for your work or whether you're volunteering or whether you're retired and you're finding Work, uh, finding t- time to fill, uh, to, to, to uh, use your time with right now, all of it can be beautiful. And all of it can be meant for the glory of God. Now, maybe I need to define what is work. Uh, what, by work, I mean expending any purposeful energy, whether manually or mentally or both, whether paid or not. That's all considered to be work. And by good work today, what I mean is the purposeful energy directed towards the glory of God. That's what I mean by good work. Uh, Purposeful energy directed towards the glory of God, serving uh, as we serve our neighbor. So there's a big idea here this morning. Good work is work that glorifies God and work that serves our neighbor. Good work is work that glorifies God and work that serves our neighbor. And you see, when we align ourselves in our daily work, uh, should I use another mic? Is it, is it kind of buzzing a little bit? Is there another mic around? Is that better? It's off now. Good. Okay. Uh, good work. <laughs> I thought I'm hearing things up here. Uh, good work is work that glorifies God and work that serves our neighbor. When we align ourselves in this way, the more our lives feels like there's a purpose and there's a sense of peace and calling to what uh, what, what do what we do, maybe it would prevent burnout too, and that's kind of our, my prayer here. And are three points here in the rest of the 20 minutes that I have together, a uh, humankind, first point, humankind are co-workers. Oh, it's back. Okay, I'm gonna use this mic. Red mic, that's good. Okay, red mic. Uh, humankind are co-workers with God, Number two, a good work is work that gives life. And number three, good work helps to unfold the potential of creation. And I directly stole that quote from Dr. Paul Stevens. So I'm going to explain that, uh, what that means in a little bit. So you see, when work gives life, it doesn't only give life to those around us, but in turn, it gives life to you as well. Saying work is uh, one way, uh, see, work is one way that we can glorify God in our lives. And that might sound weird to you that your work, in your work, you're like, Doug, well, maybe your kind of work as you're preaching sermons, that's your way of glorifying God. No, I want to argue that all work is meant to be holy if we understand it to be how God has called us to be. That's all meant to be holy and that we can all give glory to God, uh, not only on a Sunday, but from Monday to Saturday as well in your daily work, in your daily life. See, not all work. You kind of think that's an unholy word, right? Work that's unholy, that's, that's bad. Well, work before the fall was meant to be a blessing, not a curse. Work was meant to be good. See, toil, bad work, and the idolatry of work, those are all just results of the fall. That's what came afterwards. That's what came when there was disobedience. That's when a sin seeped into the world that work became toil and hard and bad. There's also some work now in part of that sinfulness, that twisting of it, that we mixed up our vocations in the marketplace with work that's driven by this kind of selfishness. That self-driven kind of work for selfish ambition for wealth, power and money, and all of which we can see that in Tower of Babel as we read in Genesis uh, as we read in Genesis 11 to uh, 4 here. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. You see, that's the part of the sin that's corrupted the work that we're called to, that work has been twisted in a way that we want to make a name for ourselves. But that's not how we're to understand work. That's not the starting place for for our understanding of work. The starting place ought to be this, that humankind are co-workers with God. That for us as God's creation, that we are meant to be co-workers with God. And in our text today here, Jesus, he heals a man on the Sabbath. And the religious people, they get all riled up because you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, even though Jesus healed a man that's been sick all his life. And Jesus did work uh, in his healing there. But as W. W. Wiersbe puts in his commentary, they had taken the Sabbath, God's gift to man, and had transformed it into a prison house of regulations and restrictions. That's what religious people do, take something good and turn it into something else that's not God-honoring. And see, when, this, when the religious authorities confronted him, Jesus simply replied, he's doing only what his Father is doing. That's Jesus and his reply that I'm just doing. I'm just copying and doing what God the Father has been doing. And we see this in verse 16. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to him, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Did you catch that? Did you catch that in verse 17? My father is always at his work to this very day. Jesus is doing what God the Father is doing too, I too am working. And what I love right after this in verse 18 that Jesus, he claims himself to be equal with God and people that don't believe that, that, that Jesus claimed to be God, have trouble with verses like this because in verse 18, it's very clear for this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Why? Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. If you have your Bible, circle that. That's one text right there that where Jesus supports Jesus claiming himself to be equal with God. But we learn here the the bigger, the point here I want to make is that we learn here that God, he is still at work. Have you ever thought about that? That in the beginning in the 7 days, like 6 days that God worked and on 7th day that like he rested, but God didn't stop working. He didn't sit in his throne in heaven like do do do, you know, twirling his thumbs like I'm so free right now, what should I do, you know, with my time? No, he's still working, he's still busy and at work. He's still working to this very day. Maybe that's encouragement for you already this morning, that God is still at work and that's good news for us. That he's not sitting idly by, he's still at work in your family, he's still at work in your, your workplace. You still work. I still at work in your own life. He's at work in that desperate situation, in your coming and in your going and your suffering and your every day. God is still at work. He's not sitting idly by, but he's active. He's still working. In, in a commentary it's John, uh, on John five seventeen, George MacDonald he once said, "Jesus did instantly what God is always doing slowly." See, from the beginning of time god has always been working but when jesus came what we see in the miracles was the acceleration of the work of god all of a sudden just think about it for the example the natural process like wine is a natural process through natural processes of water turning into wine over time what jesus did he did it in an instant right then and right there or how some of our injuries of the body heal slowly but jesus he healed them instantly or how god provides the harvest and how the harvest eventually turned to bread through the harvesting and through the breaking, but Jesus, with his own hands, does it all instantly, turning five loaves and feeding the masses. See, whether instantly or not, we know that God is always at work, and our good God is always doing a good work uh, in our our lives and in our world and in our time. We know that God is always at work, and we're invited to join in with him. We see in, in Genesis 2, 15, read this little verse, here, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Or right, I like Eugene Peterson's translation in the message, God took the man and sent him down in the Garden of Eden to work the ground and keep it in order. This is pre-fall, so work is good. Everything was good. God has called it good, and what Adam was meant to do was good, and we start our understanding of good work when we start understanding, we work along what that we're called to work alongside of this good God who's doing this good work. And as Paul Stevens says, the best word to describe this is stewardship, that perhaps all of life is really stewardship of what God has given you and given me. The stewardship is the rich idea that, as Paul Stevens says, the rich idea that we do not own anything, but have been trusted with its care and development, whatever it is that you have. That all of life, perhaps, is stewardship. Our time, our finances, our strengths, our gifts, our friendships, our relationships, all of that, we're called to steward. This takes some time to think about that for a moment that we're meant to steward, that we're meant to be co-workers with God, the God of the universe, the creator of all things. will invite the created to walk alongside of him, to steward and to be co-workers with him. Just let that sink in a little bit. Like he doesn't need us to do any of that, but he chooses to have us to walk alongside of him, to take part and to have this responsibility of taking care of this world. You see when our work is done in this kind of faith and this understanding when our work is in fellowship with God and to God we understand that all of us as believers we ultimately we work for God God is my boss God is the one that I'm accountable to and that changes how we see how uh, that changes how we see our work So first point here is that we're co-workers, that everything we do, we're meant to be stewards and working alongside of God, and God is still working to this very day in our lives. And what is God doing, exactly? What we see, read this in verse 5, verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. You see, the good work that our Father is doing, that Jesus is doing, that the Spirit is doing to this very day, the good work, good work is work that gives life. Good work is work that gives life. Life, because part of God's work is giving life. That's what God does. The word "forgives life" here means to cause something to come alive. You know, I hope maybe that wasn't too shocking for you, but it's it causes something that once was dead to come alive. That is what God's work is. That is the business that He is in. This word for gives life is found throughout Scripture and involves every person of the Trinity. It involves God in 1 Timothy 1, uh, chapter 6, verse 16, in the sight of God who gives life to everything. That same word there. It refers also to Christ giving life in 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made Alive, Or to the Spirit, 2 Corinthians 3.6, He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Everything that God does, every part of God, He is in the business of giving life, and every part of God is in the business of creating something new again. And maybe if we understood that, And maybe we've understood that we're meant to be co-workers alongside of that. How do, what we do, how has that changed the way that we understand what we're doing and the work that we are part of? What if we thought of our work as a way of giving life to others around us? What if we thought about it that way? That the work, yes, is to pay the bills and we need to, yes, is to take care of our family and that's part of it, but what if we thought of our work as a way of giving life to others? What if we thought of our work as an active and tangible way, even, of serving our neighbor? Have we, have we thought about that? That when we're going to work, whether, again, whatever your job is, whether it's paid or not, whether you're a student or you're working, I mean, have been in your career for 20, 30 years, or you're retired now, I believe this to be true still, that with our time as we're stewarding what God has given us, what have we thought about it as a tangible way of serving and loving our neighbors? How would that contribute to the good work that we're called to? I was having a conversation a couple of weeks ago. And this was a, someone that's new to our church, and he recently changed from a really big company to a very small startup. I'm like, oh, what made you do that? I'm like, I'm like oh, does the instability thrill you? He's like, well, a little bit, maybe. But what he actually said to me was, yeah, it was stable, it was good, as a big company. But why I moved into this other company is because of the opportunities to build relationships. I got a chance to mentor, I got a chance to disciple, though it's not a Christian organization, but a way for me to have these conversations, one-on-one with a super small team where we get to work things out together. And that's why I chose this new company. I'm like, wow, all right, that's your way, that's your ministry, that's your way of glorifying God. That's your way of serving and loving your neighbor in a very tangible way. And did you know the word for company uh, means a way of sharing bread, literally? The word company it comes from two Latin words, cum and pain, which means with bread. That together, you get to serve each other. Together, you get to um, cook a meal together and provide for one another. That's what a company is. That's not just for yourself, it's a way of serving the people around you and loving the people around you. Whether this is cooking a meal, Maybe, maybe that's your job or closing a deal or it's changing the culture of your company or trying to grow your family, whether you're teaching your children and you're a stay-at-home mom or dad and you're doing or you're doing drawings or designing something, all of that could be for the good and the glory of God as your tangible way of giving life to those around you and loving your neighbor. You See this good work for a good God, it serves the common good. That's why God created it to be. See, imagine Adam in the beginning. It's like God's like, well, hey, can you take care of the soil? Adam's like, what's in it for me? (laughs) Right? Like, what's in it for me? I'm fine. I'm in the garden. Hey, God, I'm in the garden of Eden, okay? Everything is great here. Like, life is good. Like, I'm sitting on my chair, my lawn chair. Everything is fine. I don't need to work. I'm naming animals, right? I'm hanging out with them. Right? Everything is good. Why do I need to toil the soil? Well, it gave Adam the sense of purpose and sense of joy. Is it possible that Adam actually enjoyed his work as he's toiling the soil? Man, I get to be a co-worker with God. I get to be part of giving life and creating in this world. I get to be, be part of what God is doing here. That we, when we understand good work for a good God, it actually serves the common good and all those around us. And we read this in Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52, 1, this is what the Lord says, maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand. My righteousness will soon be revealed. I'm quoting the message again because I think it gives us everyday language. A guard my common good, another way of understanding that. That we're charged as we're called, called to take care of the earth. We're to guard my common good, as God says. Do what is right and do it in the right way. For salvation is just around the corner. My setting things right is about to go into action. Could it be in your work, in your interactions with people, it's causing life and giving life to those around you? What if we didn't think of our work as just for ourselves, but we think of work as something that is good for others? Our work is good, and it benefits the other person. What if we thought of it as our way of loving our neighbor? Could that? be part of what uh, Gordon Smith calls wholeheartedness kind of work. He says this in his book, Uh, Courage and Calling. Good work requires of us an appreciation of the value of routine, ordinary mundane rhythms of doing what needs to be done each day and each week, thoroughly and with care. The antidote to exhaustion may not be rest, but wholeheartedness. We're typically exhausted because we are not doing our true work. What is our true work? And some of it, you might be thinking, well, that's not what I'm called to do, or maybe, you know, it hasn't given me the stability. I need to gain more and more and more. I don't think that's what we're getting at here, what true work is. What if true work is actually aligning to the good work of God? Doing work and understanding our purpose is to give life to others around us. That The reason why I'm working is actually I'm being coworker with God. That would maybe not lead to exhaustion, but lead to this wholeheartedness That he speaks to that when we start aligning our work and our understanding of work to god's intentions for work maybe that is the secret to finding life and joy even though it's tough even though it's hard just think about jesus for a moment right last week i quoted from john chapter 1 verse 14 we read that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us or that Jesus, the Word became flesh and blood, and He moved into our neighborhood, that God literally took on flesh and became a physical being to relate with me and you, and He walked on this earth. But what we also read is that Jesus worked as well. I'm not sure if we all know that, but He worked. Back in His hometown, we read this in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, that when He went back to His hometown, people of His town asked this question, isn't this the carpenter? That was his first job. Jesus, before he was healing and saving and, 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 and bringing people back uh, to God, uh, isn't this the carpenter? That word for carpenter, isn't this the technon, the builder? That's what Jesus did. God became flesh, and he built something. That was part of his good work, and, he's, and he built something. The light came into the darkness. And he did ordinary work. He made the most beautiful chair, I'm sure. the most perfect chair to sit on. That you sit down, and you're like, "Yeah. No more pain." <laughs> Perfectly supported. Six points or 10, whatever it is. He did everything to the best. Jesus, the God became flesh, and He built something. He did ordinary work. He did it beautifully. Could it be that's the secret to not finding exhaustion, but really joy in our everyday and the work that we call in the pain and in the suffering, in the everyday that we have here? And we finally read this in verse 24 to 26. See, we get a glimpse of what Jesus is doing here. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. I just wanna focus on verse 25 there. A time is coming and has now come. You see, when Jesus came to earth, Yes, he built a chair. Yes, he worked. And he walked among us. But his ministry was really one of unfolding of what's to come. That God's salvation plan, when Jesus came, is to set things in motion. That God's salvation plan is already in progress and is, is, in, is indeed now here. And that comes to the last point here as we join into God's good work that in your everyday work, whatever it is that you're, you're doing, you're coming and going, good work helps to unfold the potential of creation is what Jesus did. Wherever he went, he was unfolding the potential of cre- creation. He was saying, this is not how things ought to be. This is not the purpose of things. I'm here to make all things new. Could it be in our good work that that is what we're ca- ca- called to do? That is what we're called to do. That in physics, there's something called potential energy, right? For the physicians, uh, no, yeah, is that, for, yeah, no, no, that's not the right word. Uh, for those in physics, what is it? Phys- physicists, sorry, the physicists, <laughs> potential energy is stored up, right, stored up energy held by an object because of its position, of the height, or maybe a charge that's inside of electrical charge or a kind of stress uh, that it's in. What well, I'm just thinking about it. Is, that, is that Jesus knows the full potential of everything as he's walking on this earth, and he's unleashing it. That was his good work. Like he was going around unleashing the full potential of creation. He's like, well, that's not 100%. Here you go. Some for you, some for you, some for you. He was going around unfolding the potential of creation. What if that's what we're called to do in our work? As you're working with people, as you're co- in your coming and going, as you're typing in that Word document, as you're uncrunching numbers, as you're doing your assignment in your papers, what if... All of that is unfolding the potential of creation. When we do good work, we join in the creating that God does, whether it's through tools, culture, communities, beauty, homes, comfort, music, meaning, transportation, toys, accounts, communication, images, machines, health, gardens, research, art, whatever it is, I'm bound to miss something there. Whatever it is, what if you're part of unfolding the potential of creation? And this is all joint work with God, entering into what He is already doing and and unfolding as He creates and sustains and transforms this world. Just think about the implications here. Have we thought about our work? That way, every interaction that we have, that we are being the hands and feet of Jesus, that we're bringing heavens, heaven down to earth. What have we thought of our work in this way? How would that change us? And you might be thinking, Doug, you don't know what I do for work. How can my work possibly give life to anyone or anything? How can I be part of bringing heaven down? to earth, and I don't know the full answer to that question, but I believe it starts by seeking God and asking Him how you can partner with Him. This is even believing that God has called you to to do this, that God is with you in your work, that in your work, every single day, no matter what it is that you're doing, that I'm gonna glorify God with it, and I'm gonna serve my neighbor, neighbor to the best that I can with it. And I don't know the full answer, but I know that it starts with seeking God, and secondly, you're like, how can I bring healing and, 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 and goodness and change and life to those around us? Maybe this will release you a little bit. That you're not in charge of that anyway. That you're not in charge of that anyway. You're not in charge of giving people life anyway. That's God's job. We're just called to be obedient. We're just called to steward. We're just called to do the best that we can and let God do the rest, let God do the saving, let God do the transforming, let God do the healing, let God be the one that gives life. We're just called to be there and to be present. So, to come to an end here, what's your view of work? That could it be, if we understood our good work, It's a way of glory. Good work is work that glorifies God and serves our neighbor. If we thought of work in that way, how would that change the way that we work? Because God is still working in you and in me. He's not done with us yet. And it's a work, ultimately, that sent him onto the cross and that died for the sins of many. It's the work of the cross that Jesus did that brought life for many so that we could experience the goodness of God. We now come.